0: So, what we're going to do right now is, I'm going to finish up kind of our our nuts and bolts of um, how to get free. And then we're going to have some ministry time where we minister to you and um, through some different, uh, through prayer and anointing for whoever wants to be anointed um, and worship time. So we're going to get started. Father, in Jesus' name, I give this time to you, Lord. May your words come out of me. Fill my mouth, Lord, with your um, everlasting power and strength, Lord, to strengthen these women with the rhema word of God, the spoken word of God, and fill them with revelation, holy God. Right now we ask for revelation because we need that, Lord. And I bind and rebuke Satan and these lying spirits these haughty spirits that raise themselves up against the knowledge of Christ and the freedom of Christ. And I command you in the name of Jesus to leave and to be silent. You are losing, you have lost your authority and power in the name of Jesus. So Lord God, I pray right now that you will do this, that you will do this mighty work and your angels are here. Thank you. And um, I pray you will command them concerning us today in Jesus name. Amen. Okay, so the last session, we talked about um, battling in the spirit versus in the flesh, and we're going to talk some more about this, uh, more about this. Um, I want to quickly review what you discussed in your table groups, Philippians 4.4. 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. So the Lord is not far away from you. The Lord is very near. The Lord is very close. And the Lord is close to those who are downhearted, who are crushed in spirit. So if there is a reason that you are crushed in spirit or that you're downhearted, the Lord is very close to you, even if you do not feel it. So if you feel crushed and downhearted, again, the Lord is close to you. Not far away. So that is the knowledge. It may not be something you can always feel, but it is the truth. It is the truth. God doesn't leave the hospital bed. He doesn't leave the bedside. He is the most, he holds vigil with you. And he is our healer. He does not leave you when you are, uh, when you are at your lowest point, even though it always feels that way because you're at your lowest point. And what we base our spiritual experience on feelings, we will always be disappointed if we feel bad, if we're in a bad situation, if we're suffering. We'll always feel like God has abandoned us, which is not true. So, do not be anxious about anything. So here's a command. So we're going to assume if God's commanding us to do it, he's going to equip us through the power of his Holy Spirit to live like this. So do not be fractured about anything. Do not be fractured. That's what it means in the Greek. Do not allow your soul to be fractured about anything. But in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, Present your request to God. So, as we pray, and I am convinced the church is not praying. And I'm convinced we think we are praying, but we're not. And if your spouse talked to you as much as you talked to God, how would you feel about the intimacy of the relationship? Okay, if your children talk to you as much as you talk to God, how would you be feeling about the intimacy of your relationship with your children? Because what causes the fracturing of our soul is the, the anxiety comes from the insecurity. The insecurity. So we need to have wholeness, that, that time in prayer, the more time we're spending, and I'm not talking about a religious activity. I'm not talking about just saying the Lord's Prayer, although that's very valuable, and the Lord taught us to pray the Lord's Prayer. I'm not talking about just praying over your food or driving, driving and just kind of being like, okay, God, bless my kid. Just help. Just, I don't know. Lord, just, why am I in this situation? I don't, I'm not talking about that. And what I need to do, I need to pray out loud Because if I don't pray out loud, my mind will start worrying. So I have to take, the way I take control of that situation is I start speaking out loud to God because my flesh wants to wander and worry. But when I speak out loud, I can hear what I'm saying. And sometimes when I hear what I'm saying, I'm like, wait, you know, or or I'm like, that's right. And I encourage myself in the Lord. Do you know that David encouraged himself in the Lord? So you can encourage yourself. So that means it's okay to talk to yourself. <laughs> okay? So that means when we pray out loud. So I, if I don't get in a good hour, because, well, I have the, the luxury of my commute. And that's what I call it. That's the best part of my day, my commute in heavy traffic into Loudoun County, the best part of my day. And if there's a traffic jam, all the better, because I get to pray longer. <laughs> because honestly, when you really start praying, you will find there's not enough time to cover everything in one hour. And that's why the Lord says to pray continually. When Something comes to your mind and you're not in a time where you're focused in prayer. You can send it back up to the Lord. Lord, I throw this back at you. I cast this care back at you in Jesus' name. So instead of like, oh, what about this? What about this? Oh, I'll probably always be this way or that or this or that. Instead of fretting, stop fretting. Do not be. And it is a command. Do not be anxious. Let's just start saying, do not be fractured. Do not be double-minded. Do not be agreeing with the lies. Do not agree. Do not agree I'm unlovable. Do not agree. I am lovable. God loves me. Well, a man will never love you or your husband will never love you like the way you I reject that in Jesus' name. I have everything I need for life and godliness in Christ Jesus. And Jesus is everything I need. And I'm going to pray for my husband that God will make him into the man God wants him to be. Not into the man that I want him to be, but the man that God wants him to be. And I'm going to pray that God builds my spouse up in his inner being, that Christ can dwell in his heart through faith, and as it says in the Greek, be in the center of everything in his life. Through faith. And the peace of God. So present your request to God. Find time, ladies. Block time for the Lord. Block it out. Have special time for God where it can't be interrupted. And those of you with small children, (laughs) I heard them talking over here about how Susanna Wesley, the mother of Charles and um, other Wesley. Yeah. Yeah. John and Charles would put her apron over her head. Some people have to lock themselves in the bathroom. (laughs) I mean, whatever. Some people have to get up before your kids or during nap time or whatever you need to do. Or just start praying out loud around them. Who cares? They need to hear it. If your children grow up with you praying out loud, they're going to know how to pray. And they're going to think it's normal. Okay? So just, I'm cleaning up, you know. Oh, you know, just as you're clean changing a diaper. You know, oh, Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for this sweet little baby. You're so good at pooping, you know. So just like that kind of thing. Like, I'm just praying the Lord bless you in Jesus' name. That's right. The Lord bless you in Jesus' name. I mean, you can just fill your life with prayer and praise. So finally, my brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure— Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. So, and the God of peace, the God of wholeness will be with you. The God of wholeness and security. So he's saying, don't be fractured, do this, and the God of wholeness will be with you. God will bring wholeness to your life. And the Lord challenged me today, but I didn't have time to do it. As I was reading the scripture, he said, somebody needs to look up what each of these words mean in the Greek. True, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. We know what it means in English, but sometimes if we look it up in the Greek, we just get a little more like the thing with the fractured versus the wholeness. Okay. So as believers in Jesus Christ, we have everything we need for life and godliness. What is the benefit to being a believer versus being a non-believer in this battle against oppression and anxiety? Number one, we don't live for this world. We hold it loosely. So if we're so stressed out about our weight or our house or if that is causing us anxiety we're holding a little too tightly onto the things of this world if the things that i'm lusting after in the flesh you know i don't like my wardrobe or I, you know women can get so anxious about their appearance that if you feel fat you are having a bad day you know you i mean the days i feel fat or bloated it's it's so shallow, really. Because I'll be thinking the other day, I felt a little, blo- I felt a little bloated, and I was walking into the house, and I was just like so grumpy. Yeah. Um, I'm not talking about scripture. I'm talking about being bloated. <laughs> 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 That's why I may have lost you. <laughs> Maybe that was the Lord saying, Brian, to get back on track. But I was walking into the house and I was like, so, like, feeling so fussy. I was feeling so fussy. I was just like irritated about everything. I was irritated about something with my husband and something with that and something with work and something with my house is probably disgusting when I walk in. And the Lord was like, You just feel bad about how you look right now. And I was like, Well, that's shallow. (laughs) How shallow of me for feeling bloated. No. it's true. I was like, oh, he's like, no, Brianna, we dealt with this 10 years ago. I know. And then what did I have to do? Father, in Jesus' name, forgive me for making, for focusing and fixating on the fact that I'm bloated and allowing that to affect how I treat my husband. I'm sorry. Is it true? Anybody? I mean, especially when I was younger. I mean, when I was like a size zero and I thought I was an elephant, I thought every day was a bad day for some reason. I don't know why, but I just always felt fat. It's just, it's just a lie. It's a lie. Your husband would probably rather have you fat and happy than skinny and miserable. <laughs> I'm just saying, he'd probably rather have a happy countenance than a skinny nag. Are you going to tar and feather me now? (laughs) That's (laughs) scripture. Corner of the roof. roof. Yeah. (laughs) That scripture. (laughs) Okay. Number two, we have the resurrection power of Jesus Christ in us through the Holy Spirit. So the second benefit to being a believer, out of many that I can't list everything today, we have the power that raised Jesus from the dead living in us. And today on the way here, God gave me this little vision in my head of, of Jesus right now. And I just saw his hand in the hole in his hand. And that he, even though Jesus is completely whole right now, he is resurrected in power and holy and exalted above every other name. He has a hole in each hand. And he has holes in his feet and a hole in his side. Because Jesus will live for eternity with his eternal body broken and fractured so that you can have wholeness here and now. Our resurrected Christ, that hole, represents the things in your life that are sin, that separate you from God, other people sin against you, your pain, that hole. And he will carry it forever and ever. And he will carry it with honor that he carries your pain and your sin. And he's thankful. He is thankful that the Father considered him worthy to take your pain, to take your sin, and to redeem you with his own blood So that hole isn't there in vain. That hole is not there so we can live lives completely defeated and hopeless. That hole is a a hole for hope. Because Jesus has the hole in his hand, I can live a life of wholeness. And I might not feel whole in this moment, but I have been purchased and I am a child of God. And the Lord is going to do a work in me as I submit to him and submit to his work, and he is going to bring about that wholeness in me. Ephesians, again, one seventeen through 19. In him, you also, after listening... Sorry, that's not the whole thing. Okay, sorry. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what the hope of your calling is. The hope of his calling. So, the only way you will know today is if God enlightens you to hope. And I can't force it down your throat. I can't tell you till I'm blue in the face and it won't make a difference unless the Lord opens your heart to hope. He needs to open your eyes. Are you willing or are you holding on tightly to these lies? The resurrection power of Jesus can renew our minds. We are commanded in Christ as believers. Number three, we are commanded to renew our minds. As believers, we can. In fact, notice in the prayer that it's through the Holy Spirit that this revelation of hope comes. And one of the devil's biggest lies right now to believers is to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. There is a fear of the Holy Spirit There is nothing evil in the Holy Spirit. There is nothing impure in the Holy Spirit. He is a comforter. He is a counselor. He is an encourager. He brings power. He is a teacher. And he is a companion that sticks closer than a brother. So as a believer, you have the Holy Spirit. Actually God living inside of you. And if you're ignoring him... If you're ignoring him, how does that work in a relationship if you live in the same house and ignore each other? Because you're in the house, the Holy Spirit's in your house, and you're in there too. Your Spirit's in you, and the Holy Spirit's in you. Are you ignoring him? Are you allowing him to work? Are you resisting the Spirit and submitting to the devil? Because the devil's the one that's lying to you about who you are. The devil is the one that's telling you you don't have any hope. The devil is the one that's telling you that you're worthless, that you'll never overcome this, that you'll always live with it, or that there is something that is too big for Jesus to handle. Are you listening and agreeing with the lies, or are you going to submit to the truth, even if it's difficult to believe? Because it's not about you, and that's where you need to get over yourself. It's not like, am I able to overcome this anxiety? It is Jesus that will overcome it in you and through you. And guess what? Take you to new levels. Because you may think that you've already overcome, but I guarantee you haven't overcome it all. You have not overcome all of the anxiety that you are going to overcome. You have not overcome all of the depression you're going to overcome. There are things in you now that God wants to unseat and unthrone in your life that are exalting themselves above the knowledge of Christ. What are these different things, these roots of anxiety and worry? Number one, Psalm 37, sin. You can write this down, some roots of anxiety and worry. I want you to imagine your life as a tree, and this is a concept Jesus taught. He taught about trees a lot and the, the fruit that a tree brings. So what brings the fruit on the tree? The DNA of the tree, the roots. You can't pull the fruit off of the tree and think it's going to stop coming off different. So you're going to pull off, like, so you, let's say you're trying to pull off this, um, there's a nervous, something that happens with that, panic attacks. Oh, You're trying to handle the panic attacks. You're just pulling it off. Got to deal with this next panic attack. Deal with this one. Deal with this one. But why are they coming, Lord? What is the root? Why is the panic attack coming? Because Jesus talks in the Gospels over and over about change the tree. Change it. Digging around the roots of a plant. There's a whole parable about that. Digging up around the roots so that it would bring fruit. Good fruit for God. So if there's something that is bringing that, we want to ask God what? Number one, Psalm 37 says, For I confess my iniquity, I am full of anxiety because of my sin. So sin affects our body. And that, the rest of that psalm, there's more about that. But f- sin can affect our body. So I've, I've helped people with actual physical d- problems. And the Lord revealed through prayer, because we were praying for somebody that was having a physical problem, and we were asking the Lord for, I mean, it was, a, it was like a back pain issue, and um, we were asking the Lord, why, God, is this person struggling with this? Because it came on suddenly, the doctors didn't know what was wrong. And in prayer, the Lord showed me this person has a spirit of crippling fear, and they're crippled because of a fear because of divorce in their parents. Okay. So there's divorce and that divorce created insecurity. And then therefore they're not even thinking about that, right? This person doesn't think about that. What do they think about losing? Who else am I going to lose? Who else am I going to lose? Is it going to be a husband? Is it going to be children? Is it, what's going to happen? Is something bad going to happen that's going to take these people out of my life because of this other loss? And the Lord showed it's rooted in this loss. The damage happened here. Does this make sense? The damage happened here and, but it, the fruit is, is coming up here and it's so bad that it's bringing crippling pain. It's actually bringing bodily pain. Does this make sense? So we prayed about it, and we prayed through some steps that I'm going to teach you in a minute. And this person experienced immediate physical relief. Immediate. And they said, and I, I didn't know, I didn't know the, the depths of what was going on, and I'm not sharing a lot more detail, but the, the Lord showed me that. And when I said this to the person, they were like, that's my greatest fear. That's my worst fear. I think about it all the time. And it can bring, so somebody else's sin against you can bring a crippling effect on you physically. Through the enemy's harassment, through fear. And I have to tell you one of my, which I can't give you this account because I don't want to bring terror. Here's another thing. The way that the enemy works whenever people are afraid is they start talking about their worst fears and then they start unpacking it and then it's just like a, a little fear party. You know, you're like, oh, me too. What about this? And then you can feel that cold feeling and that feeling coming up in your gut, like the acid is going around and you feel all that. Do you know what I mean? So I'm not going to share my worst experiences with you because I don't want to terrify you. But the Lord showed me in one of my most terrifying times That fear was a God to me. That I obeyed it. That I listened to it. And that I agreed with it. And this is when I was a Christian and devoted to the Lord and in ministry. But I was experiencing so much anxiety that was physically, it was physically crippling me in harassment, in dreams. The Lord had, I had to, it was one of those like, go hard or go home, like I wasn't going to live like that anymore because I didn't want to be tormented like that anymore. And when the Lord revealed that I had exalted fear to the point where, I mean, this was affecting everything, even the way I ate and the way I treated other people about the way they ate because I was afraid of foods hurting my body or hurting my family or hurting my friends, and I was obsessing about food and health to the point where I was completely debilitated and didn't know it. I didn't know how obnoxious I was. I wouldn't eat other people's food they sat in front of me. And I believe it's scriptural. If somebody sits food in front of you, you're supposed to eat it with thanks. <laughs> and not like say like, can I see the can that you, uh, with like the ingredients list, please? That is how I was living. And I was being, I mean, it was probably hard for anybody to have me over to their house because I was always like analyzing everything that they had put into my food. I wouldn't even drink their water. I would bring my own water bottles and wouldn't drink their water because I wouldn't want, I mean, God forbid I drank some slight traces of something. I don't know. But I was so crippled, and the Lord, I had to go through and repent sin. I had to repent for exalting fear as a god. And you may say, like, Brian, I'm a Christian. I, do, I don't worship fear. Well, then ask the Lord. Maybe you do. And then ask him if you're lying to yourself, if he says no and you think he says no, because it might be the God of fear telling you no. Because that's the one you're listening to. Um, but I had a full-blown deliverance because it was severe. I, was be- I-, I won't tell you what was happening. Okay, another way that worry and anxiety roots is in our thinking. We've already talked about that Proverbs 11:25, anxiety in the heart of a man weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. Now this is probably like the classic, don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. Okay, because it sounds like you're just saying like get over it. God loves you. Don't be afraid no, thank you. That's not how easy it is. But let's just look at this anxiety in the heart of a man. So I looked up the word heart here and it wasn't like our ticker. (laughs) It said it means in the Hebrew, an inherent capacity to exercise moral preference as an endowment by God. What makes a person tick? Spiritual consciousness, equipping people to live from the inside out, moral, spiritual inclination, setting the course of both cognitive activity and outward behavior, the inner man gifted by God with conscience and resolve. So it means anxiety in your inner being, anxiety in the place where you make willful decisions, anxiety in the place where you make moral decisions, and anxiety, brokenness or fracturedness in your place of inclination. I'm inclined to... I'm inclined to say no because I'm just feeling kind of stressed out and I don't want to be around a bunch of people today. Your inclination, anxiety, your fracturedness in your inclinations weighs you down. But a, yeah, 11.25, but a good word makes it, eleven twenty. is it 12.25? Oh, it is 12? Huh. I wrote down 1125, so I'm not a detail person. Um, Thank you. Okay, the word word is not a spoken, not just to speak something, but it implies a comprehension and revelation to the listener. So this word in the Hebrew doesn't just mean like I heard you with my ears. It means a good word that I'm understanding. It means a word that I receive. A good word I receive makes my fractured soul glad. So you need to receive this truth and find gladness. Bad news. Everybody knows this. This can cause anxiety. So basically, if you read the news. This is um, also in a scripture in Ezekiel. I didn't write that one down, the actual reference. Um, Panic. It talks about panic gripping you. And so that can come just from living in an anxious world. Right? So sin, other people sin against you can do it. Thinking, thoughts, allowing a certain type of lie into your mind can also cause anxiety. And just a, a bad situation, a bad situation that, that is definitely, I mean, there's legitimate bad situations that you're surrounded and you're full, it's just, it's, you feel fractured. You're being injured. You're being injured. You're being afflicted, affected, afflicted. Those are some of the things. So these, these sufferings, let's go back to 1 Peter 5, 7. You younger men, likewise be subject. We already read all that. Let's go down to the end of this. Uh, your advers- be sober of spirit. Be on alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experience of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. And after you have suffered for a little while, the grace of God... The God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So I'm going to close this this part up and then give you some just like a list. I'm going to give you a a prayer list here in a minute. Um, When we're suffering, we can know we have this promise that God will perfect. And here is the most amazing thing. This word in the Greek means make complete, put in order, Restore. This word is used about reconciling factions, setting broken bones, and putting a dislocated limb into place and mending nets. So if we have a fractured soul, an anxious soul that has been injured, the same God, the same God that can save your soul through the body of Jesus Christ through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, can save and heal and mend your broken soul. That is a good word. Okay, so, ladies, I'm going to give you a list. And this is a list of the things the Lord has shown me over the years. And this is all taken from scripture. But I'm going to give you a bullet point prayer list, prayer attack, attack plan. My encouragement to you is you're going to, I know what it's like. You come to these things. Oh, that's what Brianna says. Brianna, pray for me. And then you walk away. This is your take home prayer list it's your relationship with God. You exercise faith. You pray. You devote yourself to prayer. You fast. You fight. You get in the garden and pull the weeds out, fertilize the soil, and plant the good seeds. I can't come over to your garden. I'm busy. Weed in my garden. Actually, I haven't done it in a long time because it's cold. But I've got my own garden, you have your own garden, you have your own life, you are responsible for your own garden. You have to garden in your own garden, and don't be shocked when the weeds come up if you haven't been pulling them. Don't be shocked if you go for three days in 90 degree weather without water and your flowers if they start to wilt. That's what I, I'm like, what in the world, I thought it rained three days ago. These need water every day, what in the, you know. That is how we treat our spiritual lives. We expect that the heat of the day isn't going to wilt us. We have to water our gardens. You cannot go to church once a week and listen to a sermon the pastor has prayed over, and he's been watering his own garden. Hopefully he didn't get his sermon information offline. Oh, I need to Google sermon ideas. Please, no, I don't even want to hear that. Like, please tell me you're actually seeking God on your own, so you're bringing fresh revelation and fresh anointing? Your pastor hopefully is on his own face seeking the Lord and then bringing the word to you and not like heating some leftovers from somebody else's kitchen. So you definitely don't want to take those leftovers home and put them in your refrigerator then be surprised when you don't feel like you've had a good home-cooked spiritual meal in like five weeks or a year. You have to first of all get in church and get around other believers, you need to be in fellowship. You need to be in the word because why? Because it's some, a, a work. It's, it's not about works and grace, ladies. It is about spiritual renewal, health, and just plain old decent reality. It's just reality. Being in the word for yourself. Praying. Get on your face. You're gonna, if you start fasting and praying, getting on your face, you're going to experience the power of God. And then you're going to, it's just going to start leaking out of you. You're going to be amazed. So I'm giving you these steps for you to take home to water your own garden. Okay? Number one, these are all ours because God is good. Revelation, I've already talked about this. When you are struggling with a situation, anything, seek and you will find. Ask for... For revelation, specifically, God, reveal yourself to me in this situation. Reveal the root in Jesus' name. So that's another R, reveal the root. Number two, when the Lord speaks to you or gives you a strong thought about something, I mean, it's not going to be like I hear an audible voice, probably not, but just that you have this peace and knowledge, something keeps coming to you, forgive this person, forgive this person, forgive this person, or whatever the Lord shows you, recognize, you're recognizing it. That's the second step. You recognize the root. Number three. It's number one's revelation. Number is recognize the root. Number three, release and forgive. So release. Forgive those who have injured you because usually it's going to have to do with that maybe if it's a case of false maybe if it's a case of guilt maybe you did something and you're you can't forgive yourself. In that case, you would need to forgive yourself and release yourself from your own judgment and trust that God means what he says when he says he forgives you and removes your sin as far as the east is from the west. So let's release ourselves. That's if we've repented. That's not for anybody who hasn't repented. You gotta repent to get the release. Number four, repent. Now why did I put release before repent? Because the, if you're a believer in Jesus and you've already asked Jesus, you, you have com- committed your life to the Lord, you have given your sin to Jesus Christ and you believe in him, your first responsibility before God can forgive you is to forgive others who have wronged you because the scripture says God can't forgive you unless you've forgiven others. So you have to start with forgiveness of others first and release them. Number four, repent, ask the Lord to forgive your sins. And here's a good one, known and unknown. Because we have sin in our life that we don't even know about. It says in Hosea chapter four, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. And that whole passage is specifically talking about God's people sinning and they don't know they're sinning, but it's such a great sin that judgment is being visited on them and they're going to be destroyed because they don't know. So like, for example, when I talk about meditation, like Eastern religion, um, yoga, um, things that are of that, that nature, you guys are going to, some of you may be like, what, what? I didn't know that was right. Well, well, I didn't know that was wrong. Like, I, I, and I'm not sure I believe it. You might be like, I don't know if I believe that. Well, you can take it or leave it, but I've seen the Lord set people free from, from demonic bondage that they got from being involved in those things. So you may say, like, well, it wasn't a sin because it was, it was, in my heart I wasn't sinning. That's not what Scripture... Scripture does not teach the only sins are whenever you feel sin in your heart when you do something... There is a whole lot of Scripture and sacrifices in the Old Testament specifically dedicated to forgiving the sins of the nation that they committed in ignorance. It is possible to sin in ignorance. And it is possible, and probably most of your sin as a believer happens in ignorance. I'm going to guess that I do a lot of sinning, and I don't even know what it is. Now, Jesus forgives all sin, so we can even just say, Lord Jesus, thank you. I, I just give you anything in my life that may not be pleasing to you, and I don't know what it is. Lord, forgive me for it. In Jesus' name. I didn't mean to. You never meant to. I didn't mean to do that, Lord. I don't even know what it was, but I didn't mean it. <laughs> or if you find out that you were doing something and you didn't know it was a sin, even saying like, well, Lord, please, instead of being like, well, I didn't know, so it doesn't matter because God knows my heart. Yeah, he does, better than you do, Okay. But it isn't about your intention in a lot of cases. It's about truth. It's about what offends God, not what we think offends God. So ask God, does this offend you? And don't use your worldly filter. Use the scripture. That's our filter. So repent. Known and unknown. So if you know, oh, this is a sin of the Lord. I know about this one. I did that one on purpose. Well, then definitely repent of that. Renounce, number five. This idea of renouncing, like where does this, this concept come from? Second Corinthians 4.2. Renounce. It says, rather we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the f- truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. So here in 2 Corinthians 4.2, the word renounce means a verbal declaration, a verbal confession. If you have believed lies of Satan about who you are or anything else, not just who you are, but if you've believed a lie, you have to renounce it. If you've lived in it, you've sinned by walking in this lie, Lord, forgive me for believing lies. Forgive me for believing this lie right here, whichever one it is. I renounce this lie in Jesus' name. So you renounce it and you cut off this. You have, if you believe a lie and you've lived for it and you've let your actions be defined by a lie, you need to say, it says it right here, you need to renounce it in Jesus' name. And it says 2 Corinthians two. Secret and shameful ways. So a renunciation is a verbal declaration. It has to happen. We verbally declare out loud the truth. And, and yeah, renounce. Also, the scripture talks about generational curses. Nehemiah was sent to build, rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. Now, this was torn down because of what? Was it Nehemiah's fault? No, Nehemiah didn't tear it down. Nehemiah was sent to rebuild it. But he had to, in Nehemiah chapter 1, he had to pray and say, Lord, forgive the sins that caused this. That caused this desolation in Israel. So there may be things in your life. Now we're going to get into something else besides just believing lies here. This is about generational sin and its effects on people. So in the Ten Commandments, it says the sins of the forefathers are visited on the third and fourth generation. This is in specific, specifically about idolatry. Idolatry, the occult, putting other gods before God. If there's anybody in your family history, even people you do not know, In the third or fourth generation, I think if you count, you go back, it's like 27 or 30, something seven, 27 or 37 people that could be your great, great, great grandparent. If they were in the occult, God declared in the Ten Commandments that their sin can be visited on you. It's God's commandment. It's God's declaration. You just have to say, God, I'm under the, I declare I, you know, I thank you for your justice and I thank you that you took your justice out on Jesus Christ and that I am under the blood of the Lamb and that any and all occult connections in my family, I break them off in Jesus' name. I declare my family, I'm, I'm declaring that my family is in Christ. And God knows that, but you are, you are standing in the promises of God, rebuilding the walls um it's well it's renew so number six wait revelation recognize release repent renounce and the next one is renew and rebuild so take your stand and you're renewing and declaring your position in christ verbalizing your faith as joshua said as for me and my house we will serve the lord so it's not just this is the thing it's a positive it's not just negative it's not just like rebuking the devil breaking curses it's not just that it's it is standing in the renewing power of Christ So renewing it's important that you renew next renounce or rebuke satan we renounce lies we're rebuking satan If it's a spiritual stronghold due to a sin, you need to dethrone its authority in your life, like the crippling fear. In Jesus' name, forgive me for living in fear. I forgive, for example, I forgive my parents and my grandparents and my great-grandparents, all this generational divorce in my family. These people got divorced. These people got divorced. These people got divorced. Jesus, forgive my ancestors. Do not visit it on my family. I break that curse in Jesus' name, and I break the power of crippling fear over my life and all that it's had. God, forgive me for living in it. Forgive me for not trusting you. You need to ask God to forgive you for not trusting him. And I declare in Jesus' name that my family will not walk in the sin of divorce. I declare in Jesus' name that I am going to walk in the power and authority of Jesus Christ. I'm going to submit to him, and it's going to feel like childbirth. Probably, if your family was in divorce, and it's been for generations, it's going to feel like childbirth as God births life into your marriage. Does this make—are we driving here? Okay. The next R, refill. Refill. We have one more after this. <laughs> Running out of room. Don't leave the house empty. Jesus said that in an adulterous generation, an adulterous generation, that when the enemy leaves, he'll return. So it's a guarantee the enemy will come back, but he'll find the house clean, in order, and empty. All right? All right? Another reason we don't want to empty our minds through meditation. <laughs> I'm just open. Open for business. Come on in. All right. Don't leave the house empty. Fill it with what? The Holy Spirit and with truth. Refill. If you have rebuked Satan and commanded him to leave, I rebuke a crippling spirit in Jesus' name. I rebuke a crippling fear in Jesus' name. I re- whatever it is. Whatever the Lord has, whatever is going on in your life. The point is not empty. And how do we fill? It says in Isaiah that God takes a spirit of heaviness and gives us a garment of praise. So if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you need to live a life that confesses truth and worships the Lord. And you ask the Holy Spirit to fill you, but you can't just be like, fill me today, Holy Spirit. You can fill me, Holy Spirit, But worship him. Worship the Lord. Fill your mind with worship. Fill your heart with worship. Fill your mouth with worship. Fill, fill, fill. Give the Lord adoration and praise. And the last one, regenerate. Now, those of you in my Bible study, I didn't put this one on until today. So that's a new one for you. Healing. Pray for the Spirit of God to regenerate, to heal, and bring life to the parts of your emotions and soul that were wounded. Because you can ask, you can say, I forgive. You can forgive in Jesus' name. You can forgive in Jesus' name. You can forgive in Jesus' name. You can kick the devil out. You can break things. But if you don't have the regenerating healing of the Lord, you're going to feel, you're going to be kind of the walking wounded. So you need sometimes a healing also, or a lot of the time, a healing also. And sometimes that healing will happen when the enemy leaves that has just been stabbing you. And I'm like, oh, I feel better. (laughs) So those are our prayer steps. So you have those down. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a break. We're going to stretch. And we're gonna come back, get a drink. We're gonna come back for a time of healing and prayer. And we're gonna take our time with it. We're gonna worship, we're gonna have music, and I will lead everyone here through this list all together. We'll just do some confessions to the Lord together and some prayer time. And then we have chairs up here. You can decide, you can pray if the Lord leads where people can come up during the worship time and individually be anointed. You can sit in line and wait, and our prayer team will lay hands on and pray for you.